may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So good to be here with everyone today on Grace School Sunday. It's been a long time since we've had Grace School Sunday, I feel like. So it's good to have you guys here. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Matthew McKenzie. I'm the youth minister here at Christ the King, and I started here in 2010. But I was raised um, at Grace School. I went to Grace School from 1991 to 2001, and um, it was a great, great experience. And so uh, I think uh, one of my classmates maybe is even here, Lauren. And Lauren could probably tell you from the time she started in, I think, first grade, I was going to be a priest. I was going to be a priest. In fact, I saw Lauren a couple of weeks ago at the uh, school service on a Wednesday, and she goes, oh, living the dream. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I tried to do my own thing, and here I am. So it's very exciting to be here and preaching on Grace School Sunday. Um, what I wanted to look at today is this reading from Philippians, except for I want to kind of go back a little bit. So if you have your insert, this part is really not in there. But I thought it was worth looking at when we were talking about Paul. You see, the big idea for today is losing all to know Jesus. And so we get into that part in verse 8 where Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. But I want to go back up to verse 4 where it says, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. You see, Paul had an amazing conversion story. But before that, Paul thought he had lots to brag about. Paul thought he could brag about his pedigree of being a real Jew. He thought he could brag because he was really one of the people of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. He came from one of the best families you could say he had a private school education because he was trained by one of the best teachers in Hebrew. He was really an all-or-nothing kind of guy. He persecuted the church, he hated the Christians, and he did all of that because he thought he was doing God's will. But you see, Paul had an experience back in Acts chapter 9 and some of you probably know this story. He started out as Saul, and Saul's on the road to Damascus, and he's going, persecuting. He's got big plans. And on the way there, there's a blinding light. He falls to the ground, and he hears a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, enter the city, and you will be told what to do there. And so he goes to the city and then he writes Philippians and says, I count everything as a loss. All is good now. 
not exactly. That's not exactly how it went. It was a process. He went on to Damascus. Ananias is told by the Lord to go pray for Saul to regain his sight. Ananias is going, oh, I don't want to go see that guy. I've heard about that guy. I don't want anything to do with that guy. But he goes, he prays, the scales fall off his eyes. And he goes around proclaiming the gospel. Only people remembered where he had come from and who he was. And so they weren't all that eager to see this guy Saul because he had just been persecuting them and it wasn't good. In fact, it gets so bad that it goes on in Acts 9 to say that when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul for they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And he goes on to Jerusalem, and of course the disciples there are not that excited to see this guy either. And so Barnabas gets involved and brings him to him. But ultimately Paul goes back to his hometown of Tarsus. You see, this was a process for Paul. It wasn't blinding light, I converted, everything's perfect now. It was a process after meeting Jesus. You see, the real understanding of what God was trying to teach him, I believe, began the night that he was lowered down over the wall in a basket. When all his hope of being God's instrument by which God would reach the nation Israel and bring back that people were dashed. All the reckoning Paul had placed in his training and in his background and in his intellect all came crashing down around his ears and they treated him like a common criminal. He was sent back to his hometown after being in Jerusalem and in Tarsus he stayed for five to seven years. He didn't even minister or preach during that time. He was in a desert. And when he finally realized at some point that all his training and all his education and his background and his standing and his reputation was to no avail whatsoever for the cause of God, it was only then that he could write, I count all things but loss that I may gain Christ Jesus my Lord. It's a hard season for Paul to get to that point. And when he's writing this, he's in jail. I mean, it wasn't easy for Paul. It was a really hard process. Following Jesus is a really hard thing. And a lot of people don't want to do it because the cost is too great. But see, what Paul is saying here is that true Christians do not trust in anything that they can do to earn salvation. They put no confidence in the flesh. There are people who live under this deceptive illusion that they can work their way to God. That by religious duty and ceremony that they can earn their way into God's presence. They can acquire the privilege of eternal life by their good deeds. But see, Paul came to realize that true believers will have none of that. Paul wants none of that illusion. 
back in Matthew, and I think this psalm sums up Paul really well. There was the parable of the pearl of great value. And Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, that was the point Paul got to. All those things that he talked about, all those things that meant so much to him, they didn't value up compared to knowing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and following him. You see, Paul knew what it was to be a Jew, to be a Jew in the highest sense of the term, and yet he deliberately, knowingly, willingly, Abandon it all for the sake of Jesus Christ. He counted it all worthless. He sold it all to gain the true treasure, the true pearl of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he really became a disciple of Jesus. Because a disciple's allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. People, things, and dreams are always battling for our allegiance. There's always something battling for it. You know, being youth minister, I look at these kids that come through the youth program, and it's always something, whether it's the latest phone or the latest social media thing or whatever it is, it's always something, and all of those things are competing. And you watch them because they all really want to have the best thing. But all of that's really temporary. All of that's going to go away in the end. And it's going to be them and God. And what I want, and I know Mr. Ferguson wants his Christian ed teacher at Grace, and Ms. Spagnola's Christian ed teacher at Grace, and all the staff wants, is for these students to come to know and love Jesus so much that their allegiance is only to him above all else. In Luke 14, it's, Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. I think C.S. Lewis expresses this dilemma in the last paragraph of Mere Christianity very well. He says, the principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and the death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look to yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look to Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. Pretty good deal. It's hard. It's hard. But in the end, we get it all because we have Jesus. You know, as I was preparing for this, and I kept thinking in my head about Grace School Sunday, and um, 
I thought of this verse from Deuteronomy, or these verses from Deuteronomy 6. And it says this, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And, th and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates. It's a pretty powerful verse. You see, as I was thinking about my experience at Grace Christian School for those 10 years, they were the best, way better than high school. I mean, college was quite a good time. But, you know, well, we, we won't get into all those details. But, but Grace was a really good experience. You made really good friends that we've kept and stayed in touch and kept up with each other. So many have come back with their kids now. I mean, it's been an experience that I never would have traded. But I was thinking about this, and we always say grace lays a great foundation. You see, grace's mission statement is to prepare our children for life, to honor and glorify God in a Christ-centered environment of academic excellence. You know, and we are really blessed. Thomas Gerds has been a huge blessing to the school this year and working on making this what grace is supposed to be, a Christ-centered environment first, before the academic excellence. And it's a process. It's like with Paul, it's a process. It takes time to get where we need to be. But I believe that's going to happen, and we've seen God blessing the school. And I love Grace School is our primary mission field here at Christ Lutheran. I love that. It's a blessing. But you see, Grace gave what I always said was a good foundation. But I think as I've been studying this, what I can say is Grace gave good reinforcement to what I was already getting at home. You see, our kids spend a fair amount of time at school, and they spend a fair amount of time in Christian ed classes, and they might come to church on Wednesday, or they do come to church on Wednesday if they're a member of the school. And a lot of them come to our children's programs here at Christ the King. But really what we're doing is reinforcing what they need to be getting at home. Because what really hit me in all of this is that the reason I am where I am today, and involved in the church, and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is because of my parents and my grandparents. Because there was not a day that we didn't start with a devotional in the morning at breakfast and we had our prayer at lunch and our prayer at dinner and read the Bible or pray before bed. And that was a way of life in the McKenzie household. And if I went to my grandparents, it was probably even more so. Well, with my grandmother, it was more so. I was more excited to be with Grandpa and go out to the garage and do something, you know, fun around the place. But Grandma would make us sit down, and she'd read the Bible to us. And I remember that from a little kid. And Grandma would pull me to Grace Episcopal Church, and help. I'd have to help her set up the altar as a little three-year-old for altar guild on Sundays. 
And all of those things, I believe, really left an impression in my life so that when I went to Grace and I had Kathy Hardage as my Christian ed teacher and I had Gail Curley as my Christian ed teacher, they were just reinforcing what I had already got at home. They were reinforcing that. And see, that's what we want at Grace and in Christ the King is for the parents and the grandparents to really be the ones that lay this foundation of truth. When there's so many questions today of what is truth, and people can't even give you an answer for that, this is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And that's what we really hope for. You know, we are so thrilled to have your children at Grace School. But we hope that what we're doing at Grace School is merely reinforcing what they're getting at home. And so I think that's our challenge today, is if you look at Paul, and you see all that he went through, and all those things to get where he was, to finally be able to say, I count it all as loss. You see, that's what we want for our children in this place. That's what we want for all of you in this place, is that we can all say, that I can say, that Father Don and Tom can say, we count it all as loss you see, Paul says at the end of this reading that we read today, he says, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Today is a new day. We don't need to look back at what happened yesterday or last week or last year in our lives. We need to be pressing on forward towards Christ. That's what all of us in here need to be doing. We've got to be grounded. I think we haven't even scratched the surface of how hard things are going to get. And so we need to be ready. and We need to be training our children to be ready. Because I don't want kids that have a watered-down faith. I want kids that have a faith that's going to stand through the pressures of life I don't want a good message. I don't want a good song. I want the truth. And that truth is in Jesus Christ. And all of us here are called as parents, grandparents, educators, ministers, priests, to do that and to be that. But it's going to start in the home. And so I want to challenge everyone here today to start that in the home. Pick up a Bible. Pick up a devotional. Start praying with your children. Start doing these little things that will eventually form into habits. And then eventually it will just become a way of life. I mean, I had no idea as a kid that people didn't live the way that I was raised. I thought that was normal for everybody. And it wasn't really until I got out of grace and went to high school and was in the public school that I realized it was unusual what I experienced. But we can start making this not unusual and making it normal. Because that's what we need. That's what this country needs. That's what this world needs. Is for us to keep our eyes fixed on Christ above all else. So my hope and my prayer is that we all can join together and look to Christ and not look back. Amen.